0: Hi, I'm Chris Nessie from the House of EdTech Podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com.
1: Hey, welcome back. Steve here, and today I'm talking with Jason Stoughton. Jason is the Director of Leadership Advancement of the John Maxwell Company, a global leadership development firm. Jason is an accomplished international speaker, coach, and trainer. So much to learn today. And uh, by the way, this is part one of a multi-part series featuring speakers and authors associated with the John Maxwell Company. The John Maxwell Company is committed to providing premium leadership resources to help educators make a difference. By the way, on October 8th, 2021, Live to Lead is coming to Atlanta, Georgia. Live to Lead is a leadership development experience. You will hear John Maxwell, Jamie Kern Lima, Valerie Burton, Ed Milet, and Jeff Henderson. Go to L2LATL.com and use the special coupon code K12 for the listeners of Teaching, Learning, Leading K12. Hope to see you there. Enjoy the show. Hey, Steve here, and my podcast, Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, is hosted on Podbean. If you use my affiliate link when you sign up for podcast hosting, you will get one month free. I've been on Podbean for the whole existence of my podcast since November of 2013. In that time frame, I've had nonstop service. I've had easy access to assistance when I needed help. I've been able to upload unlimited pictures and podcast episodes. The dashboard is easy to use, and my Podbean community has grown tremendously. Looking at starting a podcast? well. Use my affiliate link to get one month free of hosting. Go to my website at stephenmuleto.com slash sponsors and click on the Podbean hosting link to see what plans are offered and choose the one that you like the best. You'll be glad you did.
0: You are listening to Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, a podcast for educators helping you help kids achieve their dreams. And now, here's Steve with this week's show.
1: Jason's story is that of the classic underdog. Courageously and fearlessly, Jason overcame the hardships of both a dysfunctional and abusive home and rare acute health challenges through the combination of personal grit and divine influence. An accomplished international speaker, coach, and trainer, Jason has traveled the world to help thousands of individuals and organizations through values-based leadership and personal development teachings. He is a sought-after keynote speaker in many industries, but his passion is developing people, improving relationships, and inspiring individuals to discover their purpose and live a life of significance. Jason currently serves as the Director of Leadership Advancement of the John Maxwell Company, a global leadership development firm founded by number one leadership expert, John C. Maxwell, a personal friend and mentor of Jason's for over 30 years. Jason, thanks for joining me today, and say hi to everyone.
0: Thank you for having me here Steve it's an honor truly I've enjoyed your podcast it's been fun getting to know you and your audience uh, and I have a lot in common because I'm uh, I'm a huge huge fan of educators and and what they've been able to do in my life
1: I appreciate it. And Jason, let's start by talking about you. And I mean, in your bio, I read the following. His story is that of the classic underdog. Courageously and fearlessly, Jason overcame the hardships of both a dysfunctional and abusive home and rare acute health challenges through the combination of personal grit and divine influence. Uh, Could you explain a little bit about your early journey?
0: Absolutely. You know, my story is it's it's insanely emotional. It really is. So I make no promises not to cry. Uh, like everyone, Steve, um, everyone has a start to their journey. And it's, uh, it's never the things that we expect that set up our lives in a different direction. It always seems like it's uh, the other things that you least expect. But I, I grew up a young boy in rural Northwest Indiana. Uh, my life was uh, a blue collar life out where there was nothing but steel mills and, and cornfields. Uh, I, I was always into something up before the sunrise. There was always something I was getting into. I mean, after setting the carpet on fire, flooding the kitchen, uh, blowing up the panel box and getting my head stuck between the two uh, the iron spindles in the staircase, uh, the uh, fire department did have to come out. For that one, uh, all of this before the age of six. By the way, my parents parents really decided that it was probably a good idea in my best interest to lock me in my room. So uh, the first lock lasted all of uh, twenty four hours. Uh, my dad was working midnight, so in a slumber, uh, he installed a, a chain lock outside of my door. But what he failed to do was test it because I could slip <laughs> through it. The next morning, our wow. neighbor Pat Calkins saw the light on. <laughs> in his horse barn around 5 30 a.m. And uh, Mr. Hawkins was a Indiana state police officer. So he had heard the horses making a fuss. And the last thing he probably expected was to see me trying to climb on top of one of those horses. So that day, my dad replaced the chain lock with a sliding deadbolt. And then he nailed my window shut. So uh, glad wow. there was never a fire in the house for that matter. <laughs> Say I was a good kid. I was very kind, helpful, and considerate, but I was definitely uh, hell on wheels with a a head full of steam, for sure. At age 12, we moved to uh, Georgia, and uh, life was pretty normal for me until it wasn't anymore. And uh, within the first year, my parents divorced two days before my uh, my 13th birthday, and within about another year, year and a half, my dad had taken another job. Uh, that took him outside the United States in San Juan, Puerto Rico. So I was living with my mother. She was uh, uh, very challenged uh, with with addiction to drugs and alcohol. And so there was a lot of men that came through the house. Uh, several of them abused me and I was in an abusive environment with my mom. Um, my sister was removed from the home and I stayed with, stayed with uh, my mom just to make sure that she would be okay. So I began to give up on life and believed that I, I didn't matter. My life didn't matter that I was an accident. And so I did plan on uh, committing suicide the summer of 1987, which was the year before I went into high school. I was also su- suffering from a debilitating pituitary uh, disease to where my uh, pituitary gland didn't secrete the hormones. So I did stop growing at age 12 and I didn't start growing again until I was a uh, uh, 21 years old. There was that season of being a teenager struggling at home uh, in a very dysfunctional and toxic environment that really led me to pilfering my mom's uh, sleeping pills. And my goal was to get 30 that summer and then take them all and never wake up again. I was about 12 pills away. Uh, I was hiding them under my mattress in my bed. And and that's when the, another plot twist came into my life. I, I was thirsty for a drink of water, if you will, proverbially, but what I found one day was uh, was a well uh, in the backseat of my mom's 1985 Mercury Cougar. I heard a message on the radio that I believe was really designed for me that day. And it it radically spoke to me. They had no idea who it was from and who he was, but I just know that message. It pricked my heart. And for the first time in a long time, I began to think about my life, the problems, the adversity, the circumstances that I didn't invite into my life, being there to help refine me instead of define me. And so that was around the time that I realized in order for us to really heal, in order for me to heal, that I had to be real. I had to begin to step inside my story as a as a forlorn and very uh, distraught. Um, challenged young man and own my story uh, because the world ultimately wants to define us by what we do. But I realized in that moment that God looks at who we are on the inside. And so uh, that day was a um, peripatia moment for me. And that's just a Greek word that means awakening a turning point. And that's what it was for me. That's when I started growing on the inside uh, because I couldn't grow on the outside. As you heard, you know, I didn't get help from, uh, from, from endocrinologists until I was 21 years old, but I was beginning to grow on the inside. And I'm telling you what, uh, that created some habits and rituals in life that have served me well.
1: I appreciate you sharing your story. That's, uh, I mean, that, lots of combinations there could have taken your life, or actually, you could have turned a different direction. Many turned to hate and anger, and you know, and you know, crime's just part of it. It's amazing that you're um, able to, to pull through all that, and uh, I'm glad you're here to tell that your story.
0: Well, I'm, I'm glad to be here too. <laughs> I'm glad I am. But that was the beginning of a 30-plus year journey that ended up taking me inside the, uh, the confines of, of the enterprise of the man whose voice I heard on the radio that day in 1987. So it's, a, it's an unbelievable journey. You know, those those moments in our lives um, are all about how we look at them and what we focus on expands. And when I began to look at the possibilities in my life instead of the problems, that's when the problems begin to shrink.
1: That's awesome. So I'm, I'm guessing we know who the man, the voice is now. So this is John then, right? John Maxwell, yes, sir. Oh my gosh. Uh, so do you remember what he was saying that day?
0: I just knew that that message was for me, but I remember, I remember sitting in the back of my mom's car. Uh, the reason why I was in the back of her car was because anytime that I sat in front seat, more often than not, we would get into an argument and that would turn into a physical altercation. And sometimes at a stop sign, I would roll out of the car. I'd open up the door and Roll out. So I was in the back seat. The message that day was was about uh, our circumstances. There was a illustration on um, that in that message about the you know the winds and the waves of life crashing against your boat in life. You know that if we keep our eyes on the right things and we, we realize this too shall pass, and there's opportunities that we're being prepared for, and there was a purpose for every single person and nobody's an accident. And there's some things that you're created to do that nobody else is ever going to be able to do like you. Uh, I was uniquely and wonderfully made and that I mattered. That's what I heard that day. Up until then, I thought just the opposite of everything that I just said. I didn't think my life mattered. I didn't think, People noticed or would notice if I disappeared. And the last thing I thought of was I had a purpose to fulfill. I didn't think any of those things. My life, like I said, was normal until it wasn't anymore. And it was like being in a house of mirrors or a visual of what it was like for me to go through life. I just everything I looked at was completely distorted from reality. But I began to look at life differently when I realized that these problems and these setbacks weren't designed to do anything but help refine me and help me become the person that I was created to be. And it it is amazing how our problems begin to fade away when we begin to see other people and how we can help add value to them and serve them. And that's, that became a saving grace for me. And I didn't realize it till later that there was a, a biological um effect to that your body releases oxytocin when when you do kind works for people when you're kind to people there's also oxytocin that's released for the person receiving the kind acts and gestures and if anybody is witnessing this kindness being lived out in front of them their body gets a hit of oxytocin and but that oxytocin is the same chemical that is secreted when a mother gives birth to a child and creates that bond and that connection. And it's that feeling that you have. And I remember having that feeling when I started focusing on other people and not myself.
1: That's awesome. The, uh, it really is. I, it's just so powerful to, to think about, uh, you know, how this the the turnaround. So, and the focus on what's going to come And uh, that you do matter. So uh, I mean, so it's it's neat because you've come along. I mean, that pathway to where you are now has got to be, you know, one that's just been kind of amazing because you you stopped down the path that you were going and heard these words and and uh, and so now I mean, you spend your time inspiring others, and you know, it's really cool when I read people's comments about Jason as a speaker. I mean, a common theme appears. Influential, inspiring, motivating, and so much more. I mean, it's it's so cool that this is what they <laughs> that what they say, and yet you know, this is someone who, as a kid, thought no one cared.
0: Yeah, yeah. Information isn't what it's all about. You know, there's there's inspiration as well. I think everybody has this innate ability to respond resiliently to challenges and setbacks and obstacles in their life. I think we all can do a whole lot more than we ever think. But inspiration really does promote some sort of emotional commitment for the journey. And so that comes out when I have the privilege of of sharing time with an audience or somebody one-on-one to to teach or communicate what we truly believe in, and are passionate about. That inspiration comes from that. And so, so I, I prefer to think about inspiring as more of a process. I guess is what I'm trying to say. That that an event ultimately, it's basically uh, cultivating habits and rituals that will begin to manifest themselves daily and and again I think inspiration comes from modeling the uh, attributes of 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 people who do what they say they're going to do and you know their lips ultimately match the shoe leather is what I like to say <laughs> nice. there's inspiration that comes from that and ultimately I think people are inspired by by those that live out what they believe and so that's that's all I ever want to do but I want to do it better Tomorrow than I did it today,
1: and it, and obviously you've made a huge impact on it. Everyone you're speaking to, because they're they say s- s- wonderful things about you, and it's it's cool. In my short time of getting to know you, I mean it's just it's it's it, you really do have this this really positive impact on uh, mm-hmm. those that you talk with. And I encourage you to keep doing that. You know, one, one of the things that uh, um, you know you, you've done before this this part of this world, you spent a lot of time in property management world. I was wondering. You spent enough time there. What did, is there any lesson that you learned from that world that you won't forget?
0: And I, I've had the opportunity to to bring these timeless principles and practices into several different um, industries and live them out daily, but also see the 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 impact that they've had. John Maxwell, we've got really said a whole lot about him yet. Who he is, obviously, affected me and millions of other people over the last forty years of of. John's journey, but um, that industry was very management minded. You know, there was a kind of a a confusion between what is management and what is leadership. I've asked several audiences this question, how many of you love to be managed? You know, let me see a show of hands. How many of you (laughs) love to be managed out there? Raise your hand. What you find is nobody likes to be managed. People people like to be led and boy, they're, they're good at being able to manage processes and systems and being able to help people manage their priorities and things like that. But the le- leadership, as I've learned from John, is, is influence and it's nothing more, nothing less is influence. Um, I've been able to hopefully cast salt and light into that industry um, as it relates to leadership and, and help help people lead. Uh, to develop those relationships, to earn the right to lead people and not just lead from a title. Because you'll never get discretionary time from anyone if we just lead with our title, our position, our rank or file. I mean, you're just going to get somebody that's going to stick around for the paycheck. But how do you get that discretionary time? Well, you do that by building a relationship with them to really caring about people. It's impossible to To say that you care about people when you really don't care about them at all, it comes out. It's impossible to be congruent with who you are on the inside and who you portray to be on the outside. Sooner or later, it catches up with you. But in the multifamily space, you've got uh, the apartment communities, that whole industry, where there's millions upon millions, about one third or more of the population lives in community housing, you know, in apartment living. Housing is essential to life. Uh, The industry is extremely close knit. They're very loyal to one another. They're like a family and I've got so many great relationships that I've been able to establish through the multifamily space. In fact, my wife, before she was even my girlfriend, she got me into the industry because (laughs) she, she looked at me and I thought she was actually going to kiss me that day, but she looked at me and leaned in and she said, I, I need to get you into my industry. I was hearing Charlie Brown's teacher in the background. That meant I didn't understand that. But what, basically what she was saying <laughs> was so, so our industry needs somebody like you. And and I, and I don't say that out of arrogance. I don't say that out of any other reason other than she knew in our friendship as it developed that I truly cared about people, that I was really people-centric and values-based, driven by my values. I've made a lot of mistakes in my life, and, and I've had some uh, personal failures that I've learned from. Uh, don't get me wrong; there'll be a lot more, I'm sure, that I'll make. But and leaders have to set the pace for everyone else, man. And I, I really do love the property management space, but specifically multifamily. It's a, it's a great industry, and they've taken a really hard hit here recently because of the pandemic and and all that. But so I'm 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 really humbled to know the people that I know there.
1: It's it's awesome that you had by, by the way that's I I don't know what I would think either if someone said I need to get you in my industry. <laughs> that's cool. That's you know that's um and it, yeah. I, I love the way you described the interaction. Well okay.
0: Yeah, I was expecting I mean they've that relationship my friendship was was growing, you know. Uh, and, and I was hoping that it was accelerating, you know, in a whole different way. So it just goes to show you that if you're thinking about one thing and somebody's thinking about another uh, it will sound like Charlie Brown's teacher. It doesn't matter, you know. It's <laughs> going right. to sound differently, but uh, it did work out. You know, she's my wife, and we've got a beautiful family now.
1: That's cool. Congratulations about having the family and everything. That's awesome. So, so I got to ask you. So since you've mentioned a couple times, let's let us let us mention let's talk a little bit about who John is. How about that? Because I got to you know tell you one of the things I, I didn't know until I believe it was. I want to say 2003, maybe somewhere right in there. And, uh, I was, uh, I had become a, uh, administrator in a system. Um, I'd become a, a school principal, a high school principal. And I was in a system where someone was really in, um, had connections in the John Maxwell organization. And even though I'd heard people refer to, um, 21 irrefutable laws of leadership and, uh, and I'd heard his name before. I never really knew what it was all about, and and so I'd become a brand new principal in this this uh, high school principal in this school system. And and uh, they said, hey, Steve, we're going to be go- we're putting together a trip. We're going to go see uh, John Maxwell in uh, uh, in Nashville coming up, and uh, like you to come with us. And I said, hey, that'd be awesome. And and so we went. And and basically what they did is they took a couple of the new high school principals and. And uh, we went to see him speak at this uh, a large church in uh, in Nashville, and uh, it was so cool because there's there's many memories that I have from this. Besides the fact that uh, that started my library, um, which I have a I have my my own John Maxwell library, and and uh, um, and I have read every book that I have. Which he said that day, I'll never forget him saying, you know, lots of people have these books and they bring them to me and they ask me to sign, and and then I noticed that they've never been open before. <laughs> you know, <it's> like, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I just thought it was funny, but uh, one of the things I always remember about that presentation that day he said, hi, I'm John and I'm your friend. And I was wondering that what that, if that message kind of hits home with you anyway, because it does with me.
0: Oh yes, absolutely. And, and for those of you that are not familiar with John Maxwell, um, he he truly is uh, a re- a remarkable person and somebody that you know, here I didn't get emotional about my story but here I am getting emotional talking about John um he's uh he's a special guy um but when when I heard him he was uh he was still uh he was still in uh, the faith-based community John is um, he's a, a theolog. Um, he uh, was a pastor before he felt called into the business space, the secular space, and um, and help people and organizations. That's what he felt called to, and um, that's what he did. And obviously, it's there's been a lot of fruit there. But he is a New York Times best-selling author, number one best-selling author. He's the most prolific business and leadership author of all time. He sold. I, I guess roughly, he's probably counting, you know, more than I am, but probably, I think, right around 35 million books. And those books uh, are written in over 50 languages. I mean, he's, <laughs> he's, 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 he's authored uh, about 86 books. He's got derivatives of, of a few of those that, that put him over a 100 books that he's, he's written. And, uh, I mean, he's, he's identified hands down as the number one leader in business by the American Management Association. Um, he's founded several companies, nonprofit, for profit. Um, and one of the things that really does speak volumes is the fact that he's been in uh, every country in the world and has helped helped actually equip over 6 million leaders across the globe. And, and no, nobody has ever done anything like that before. And so aside from that, I mean, he's, um, he was like a father to me before I ever shook his hand and gave him a hug, you know? And so, uh, special guy, special guy, but he's also received a lot of awards more than I could ever, ever recall. He doesn't talk about them. He doesn't, He appreciates them, but he's always about the next person that he can add value to the next opportunity that he can compound and, and, and help create uh, um, uh, a blessing out of. And, and so his focus is always on, uh, you know, what's over the next hill, you know, how, how, how can we help more people? How can we add value to more leaders who can multiply that value to others? And, and, and that's our purpose statement is that right there, but very few people have been the recipient of a, uh, the mother Teresa prize for global, global peace, um, and leadership. And, and John is one of those. And, um, he speaks to over, I don't know how many, how many times he speaks too many to count. Our, our CEO travels with them 80, some 85% of the time, uh, everywhere he goes. But, uh, you know, Fortune 150 companies. I mean, we've got an imprint of of John's uh, methodology in in so many companies that uh, have done really well. And so it's it's awesome in the business space. It's awesome in the nonprofit space. But probably the most impressive thing about John's history of consistency and 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 that is, you know, we've he's got. 23 or more standing invitations right now, Steve, from presidents of nations and heads of state all over the world that are wanting John to come in and bring those values-based people-centric servant leadership principles and practices and methodologies into their countries to help transform their country, countries with values, timeless values and, 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 that's a pretty powerful statement. And so we've had the privilege of of being in um, four different countries to begin that process. And we've got millions of people already developing themselves and others and, and, and servant leadership and, and values. And it's a powerful thing. So right now he's in the Dominican Republic at the request of the president. And we're bringing values into that country to help transform it. So there's not too many people that can... That can hear that and walk away and not say, "Well, there's there's some merit to that." But uh, he's an unbelievable person. He is he's a friend and he is a mentor. But thank thank God for John Maxwell. That's all I can say.
1: That's awesome. What an awesome testimony. I I can tell you that. I mean that I every time and I've heard him a bunch and I've heard I've read it his words so much. And I, what I love is he's a storyteller and it's really cool when he tells his story and he's got some, he's got some doozies cause he's had some interesting friends. I mean, he, he I mean, John uh, Wooden is, is, he counts as one of them. And I've heard him say that, you know, one of the things he does is as he hears something he wants to remember, he jots it down and he, and he saves yeah. it. And, and uh, you never know when that's going to appear in one of his books or in one of his talks, I guess. And, uh, but one of the things, like I said, when he's, when he's speaking, he tells stories and uh, you're a speaker. And, and you've been on the stage with them. and uh, what's one of your favorite topics to, to get a chance to talk about?
0: Well, I think to be authentic, I think a lot of times our purpose is, is really established and, and presented through our pain. you know And that's what I meant a while ago when I meant, when I shared that our experiences aren't just for ourselves, they're for others. You know, there's an opportunity there for us to, to improve, get better, advance, excel, stretch, you know, it's the law, the rubber band, you know, growth stops when you lose the tension from where you are and where you should be. I mean, we we were created to grow. And, and so I'm passionate about personal growth. I'm passionate about it. And I think, uh, I think through looking at John as an example, I mean, he, uh, he, he taught me a long time ago that, you know, when opportunity presents itself, it's too late to prepare. You have to be preparing yourself for those opportunities in advance. And I think once we step outside of a institutionalized learning environment, a lot of times we we stop growing, we stop learning. And one of the things that I've been able to co- try to do consistently is, is grow every day with with intentionality and so i'm i'm extremely passionate about about personal growth and development that more than anything prepares you for life you 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 don't want to stay the same and i think that's one of the things that really has compelled me to not be the same person tomorrow as i am today and when i flip that calendar every year I I don't want to just be a year older, Steve. I want to be a year better. I want to be different than I was last year. And I want people to be able to see that difference in me. And that is what I'm the most passionate about. So I think it's probably personal growth would be my favorite uh, topic, but to really distill it down um, relationships. I'm a firm believer that life isn't about us. It's about others. And one is too small of a number to ever achieve greatness. It really is. You, can't, you cannot point to me any place in history where there's been a significant achievement that has been accomplished by one person all by themselves. And with one trifling exception in this world, the entire world is composed of other people. And that trifling exception is me. You know, there's billions of other people and there's me. Even when I'm going through the airport, my goal is to make those TSA agents smile. Nice. Nice. (laughs) I do. So relationships, that's the key. I mean, to build relationships, I think relationships are the foundation to success. It always starts with relationships. It always begins with people and it will always come back to that. So to build those relationships with people, those bridges of relationships that can withstand the the weight of truth is is the goal. And to do it authentically, you know, valuing people along the way. And the other thing that I enjoy doing, obviously, is resilience. You only get resilience when you go through adversity. I mean, think about it. Uh, I've never ran a triathlon, and I want to. But you think about it. We, we celebrate and we clap for the people that win that cross that finish line. The first, you know, you got a 2.6 mile swim and you got a, uh, what is 112 mile bike ride. And then you've got a, a marathon to run, you know, 26.22 miles. That's amazing to do that. And then we applaud people that win. But you know what really grips people and what really milks the heart is when we watch the people that show up four hours later you know that that 80-year-old priest that comes across that finish line or that military person that that has a prosthetic come across the the finish line there what really grips us is the resilience of people and knowing that there's a gift found in struggle push through hardship and become better so, There's a lot of things that I I don't know that I'm qualified to really speak on or to share. But one thing I will tell you, Steve, is that I will never share anything with anyone that I don't personally know to be true or haven't personally experienced. I'll never be a talking head. Um, I guess that would be those two things, uh, resilience and relationships. But personal growth is really what it's all about.
1: That's so awesome because you know,
0: and you know,
1: one of the things that we've talked about uh, before we've uh, been recording is kind of um, the idea of leadership, the John Maxwell organization, and uh, the things that you do, Jason, and and uh, other people through the organization, um, and how it uh, could impact education. And you know, what's funny is just the things you're talking about with uh, connecting with uh, people, relationships, and being you know real is something that. You know every kid who that we ever you ever work with. I mean, one of the things that they teach you right off the bat is that kids, if you're fake with them, they find they figure that out, man. And it's like so you can say all all you want to about, hey, I'm there for you, or I, you know, I'm I'm behind you all the way. But if you don't show them, I used to tell people that kids kind of look to see what they kind of think they know what you get paid to do. And so when they see you do something that they're pretty sure you didn't get paid to do that, <laughs> and, and it's a you know a positive thing I'm talking about, like you you show up at the hospital or you mm. you, you take care of uh, something for somebody that they're pretty sure that wasn't something that anyone told you to do, and that's when they start really connecting. And it, it's yeah. you, you start making me think about that as you were talking that uh, it really does connect that way with how you work with kids.
0: I think the best teachers uh, recognize. And value the the uniqueness of every person, every student. In my personal life, you know, I've had a couple of teachers that really impacted me, and I think a good teacher knows how to uh, to to really help every student feel valued and unique, that they have a story that 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 they're writing, you know, and a difference that's yet to be made, and then recognize. You know, that child has a remarkable opportunity to write whatever story that they want for their lives, um, to be able to edit the mistakes, you know, that we make, to go back and learn from them, that we can't go back and change the past, but we can start today and we can create whatever, whatever outcome that we want. And we have the ability to do that, to be able to see a child and realize that therein lies a hero and to bring that hero out and to be a guide on the side and not just sage on a stage, if you will. And that reminds me of that quote by John that people people don't care what you know until they know how much you care. And I think if there is one thing that we need to be reminded of it, as it relates to education and having the the stewardship responsibility and trusting a child within our care is that they need to know that we care and their best interest has got to be at the forefront of all of our decisions
1: that's so cool that is just so right i mean it really is it's a you know it's um any number of of times you know, when you've had somebody who takes that minute to, to figure out what's going on or to say, Hey, you look a little different today, or what's going on in your world, or, or, or they're just there where you just it's like, Where'd you come from? <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. and you know, it's just, um, you know, cause, and especially, you know, I've worked with teenagers all my life, and you know, at um, some point, uh, you know, they really try to push adults away, especially if you start, uh, they do realize that you might mad you know they there might be some they they might really see you as possibly mad you know caring about them and uh and uh and sometimes like that push gets bigger right off the bat and it just mm-hmm. it's just amazing though but uh i i gotta tell you just it's just interesting you made me think about that as you were talking about um just the impact and the the idea of the you know because one of the things you talk about personal growth i mean one of the things we have to do in education is get to just keep learning because every kid's different <laughs> I'll tell you mm-hmm. what, mm-hmm. what motivates and what doesn't. And uh, and not only that, just, just connecting, And I, I love it. So, uh, you know, um, one of the things, so, you know, you're the, the director of leadership advancement for the John Maxwell Company. Tell us what you do.
0: I am a product of the product. You know, in 1987, I, I was impacted by John. By My 15th, 16th birthday, I was, a, I was a member of his monthly tape club. I still have those tapes. I can show you right now those, uh, those faded cassette tapes. Um, you'll have to Google what a cassette tape is because uh, they were before CDs, <laughs> but that's what I, 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 I received in the mail um, every month. And then I began to, to get them more frequent. Um, and, and that's what started my, my, my journey in personal growth was, was that right there, the enjoy life tape club. I was a member and, and, and because of that, I'm, I've experienced uh, personal transformation and what this evaluated experience from personal growth can bring. And so that that reminds me that that knowledge, you know, obviously isn't power It's knowledge and action that is power and experience isn't the best teacher, contrary to popular b- belief. What I've learned from John is that evaluated experience is the best teacher. That's what allows us to take that that uh, experience and turn it into insight. And so, through the consumer space of the John Maxwell Enterprise, the Personal Solutions Group, I have the the great opportunity to build partnerships with with organizations, for profit, not for profit uh, companies, with John's. Uh, intellectual property as it relates to the digital content. Well, and so we have the, 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 the great opportunity to be able to bring those into other organizations or to sell them to the consumer, you know, and that's what we do through the personal solutions group. And we have the, the great opportunity of bringing John's methodology into uh, companies all over the world. Uh, we've worked with UPS, Delta, Microsoft, Uh, I'm sure a lot of people have heard a lot of those companies, Uh, McDonald's. It's amazing that culture, um, gender, uh, age, industry, it doesn't matter. Profit, not for profit. It doesn't matter what. Education space? Oh, yeah. We're all over the education space. If you haven't heard of us yet, then you need to. When you begin to apply those values-based, people-centric principles and practice them and use that methodology and, and not just look at the, the values that are on the wall, but really write those values on your heart and then link them up with your own personal values. That's when you begin to get sustained commitment from your organization and your team. I love, I love being able to, to, to share this with organizations and, and to be able to tie my story and to layer that, that credibility and to have people see the conviction that I have when it does establish itself in light of the credibility test. You know, I'm very passionate about helping people see their picture belongs in our vision somewhere. And I promise if they're looking to become a little better tomorrow than they are today, and they're wanting to go chase success, but ultimately what they're really looking for is significance in life that we can help them. I get to play in a, in a couple of different areas, man, and it's, it's really humbling. I've been on transformation trips, vision trips with John, where we come in and we, we kick off that, that transformational values uh, initiative in countries. And you know, There's uh, so much that uh, I get to do, and it's, uh, it's so exciting for me.
1: That's so cool. That's so cool. I, I, this is this is awesome. I'm enjoying hearing you talk about all this stuff and the difference and the impact that you're making. So Jason, you know, one of the things I want to make sure that uh, I ask you is, you know, if you had a chance to, to talk with an audience of teachers and school administrators, you know, and they're getting ready to kick off the new school year, especially this school year, the fall of 21, which, you know, we just finished a strange year that we've Really, probably don't really want to have another (laughs) showing of that same type of year. But it makes it that much more interesting to start this next fall. You know, this fall, the fall of 21, the school year 21-22. I mean, what would you say to them that you would want them to remember most?
0: Mm, Wow. The biggest impact that I can share that happened to me as a young person, but also an adult is this right here. When I didn't believe in myself, when I couldn't believe in me, when I didn't see anything that I could believe in, there were a couple teachers that believed in me and let me borrow their belief in me, Steve, until I believed in myself. Belief is such a powerful tool and everyone that can fog a mirror wants encouragement, needs encouragement. And I don't know one person that doesn't appreciate or value encouragement. And I think it was Truett Cathy, the founder of Chick-fil-A, who I had the privilege of meeting. And I mean, you talk about molding moments in my life to be a part of that organization in the in the early nineties. Uh, and actually worked there out of high school. That was where I went to work. But Truett Cathy said, how do you tell if somebody needs encouragement? And the answer to that is if they're breathing. Oh. So to, to, to realize that every student is hoping people believe in themselves. And I can tell you as a, as a young person, I didn't believe in me, but I did begin to borrow the belief that, some teachers had in me and i'll I'll close with that story whenever you're ready but to watch that story come full circle is unbelievable but even as an adult learner when there's things that i don't think that i'm capable of doing and experience that belief and to borrow their belief until i believe in myself is a powerful powerful thing
1: it sure is that's you know um Jason, we are getting ready to, to close and, uh, um, and there's so much more I want to ask you. So I just, uh, sorry, but we are, we are coming to an end here. And, uh, um, before we do that, uh, if someone to connect with you or learn more about um, what you do and stuff like that, where, where would you send them?
0: Um, you know, you can find me on Instagram at the real Jason Stoughton that's S T O U G H T O N. um, you can find me on Facebook, Facebook forward slash uh, Stoughton Jason, my last name and then my first name. And then LinkedIn, the same LinkedIn slash I N slash Stoughton Jason. Or you can email me at Jason dot Stoughton, S T O U G H T O N at John dot com. Or you can send a carrier pigeon, whichever. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it's fun. I'd love to hear from people. That'd be the best way.
1: Excellent. Well, I'll have those. Uh, I'll, I'll put links in the show notes as well as those uh, uh, those uh, social media IDs and uh, all that good stuff right there in the show notes, so people can find how to get in contact with you. So that'll be great. And I have uh, two more questions I'd like to ask you before we go, and then uh, kind of maybe do a little recap and talk about uh, big event coming up: live to lead. So. Uh, mm-hmm. Um, so before we finish up, here's one. How do you keep going when so much is going on that you may want to quit? Mm.
0: Mm. Uh, M. Scott Peck. He said something in a book that I read and I came, maybe it's The Road Less Traveled or something like that. Once we realize that life is not easy, then it no longer becomes difficult for us. That life is 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 not supposed to be easy, and once we realize that it's not supposed to be easy, and it's not supposed to be fair, then it's really n- not difficult. We just have to be able to navigate it through the experiences and the setbacks and the challenges. But I, I do want to congratulate anyone who 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 may be at rock bottom right now, and the only reason I say that is because I've been there. I've reached up to touch bottom three different times in my life. And and two of them I didn't ask for. One of them was a consequence of a bad decision. All three I learned significant amounts from. But wherever you are right now, if you're rock bottom, you get the opportunity to choose to get up. You get the opportunity to choose to fight. And if you do, your life, is going to be so incredible and so spectacular and so fulfilling. It it, it was the best thing that I could have ever, ever done is gone through the abuse and the, the, the challenges and, and the setbacks and, and everything that I experienced because eventually it led me to be living a life of intentionality, not to accept life as it comes my way. Like so many people do, but to live life with intention to lead my life instead of accept it. And it ultimately took me not just to the, the life that I have now, uh, but I have the wife of my dreams. I've got two girls that are incredible two children. I was not supposed to have children. Another part of my story. I, you know, I'm exactly right where I am today because I looked at my situation, I didn't point fingers, I didn't blame anyone, I didn't make any excuses, but I did begin to start taking my life back and began to write my own story for the first time. So if we can take ownership and control of our lives, if I can do it, you can do it. It's okay to not be okay. And I say, it's okay to quit but only for five minutes, you know, then get right back at it. That would be what I would say is life is no longer difficult when you realize it's not supposed to be easy.
1: Awesome. I love that. That is so powerful and something to to, to keep in mind every day. The last question I have, you've, you've almost completely answered it multiple times. So I'm going to ask you if you'll put a name to somebody. But the question is, do you have a teacher in your past who made a difference in your life? And if so, who was it? And what would you say if given the chance to say thank you?
0: Yeah, well, you know, this is probably where I'll cry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, th- there were there were two teachers. Miss um, Miller was one of those teachers, Miss Frieda Miller. Um, but one of the most feared and gracious teachers was Betty Candler. And um uh, a lot of people didn't want her class because she was she was, you know, she was very stern. She knew how to tough love and and she didn't put up with any uh, any tomfoolery, if you will, in the classroom. But I struggled with reading. I never read my a complete book in my life until I was 20 years old. And there's a, probably an argument to say that I never read a complete chapter of a book until then as well. But I was able to be encouraged. I was able to be believed in by Miss Candler in that tough season of my life of being in a, an abusive environment, single parent home with a father figure and working 20 to 30 hours a week, you know, from the age 13 all the way through high school. I had a job, you know, I, I had to provide for myself because I was not able to um, be provided for, and Miss Candler believed in me. Um, she loved me tough. She wouldn't let me make excuses, and even though she never knew I read it, didn't read a complete book, somehow I, I was, I was able to put forth the effort and the time into uh, her classes, and it became a rewarding thing for me. When I finally graduated, um, the last day of school, I wrote her a note, and I stuck it in her her top drawer of her desk. And it said, Miss Candler, thank you for believing in me. Thank you for not giving up on me. I love you, Jason. (laughs) That's what it said. And I stuck it in the top of her drawer and I walked out of that classroom for the last time. And I did graduate. I don't know how, really don't know how I graduated, to be honest with you. So the unique story to that To really tie a bow into this and to really help educators see the impact that they can have on people. We, we influence everybody, even the most introverted person, they say will influence over 10,000 people in their lifetime. So think about that. We're constantly influencing but I went on to be successful to, to some people's definition of success, and in my thirties, did pretty well for myself in, in in business and invested into a couple of car dealerships. and And one day, I was in one of those car dealerships and and walked a a silver haired Miss Candler, and I immediately knew who she was. I had not seen her since nineteen ninety one, and it was two thousand and seven. And she walked into my dealership and I immediately knew that I needed to come over and see if she could remember who I was. Cause I'd grown up by then. Uh, I didn't look like the same person and I wasn't the same person that she remembered. But when I told her who I was, she just began to glow. I helped her find a, find a uh, minivan. I walked her through the process. I gave her the best deal that anybody ever would have had on a, minivan and I kicked my finance guy out of the office. I did her entire paperwork and we were having a conversation and she shared with me, Steve, how she had gone through some difficult seasons of her life that she found herself wanting to quit teaching because she no longer had the zeal and the desire to get out of the bed anymore. And uh and I said, well, what kept you going? And she reached down and grabbed her purse, and she pulls her purse out, and she sets it on top of the desk. She opens up her wallet, and in the change purse on the side of her wallet, she takes out a little note, and she slides it across the, the F&I table to me, and she just taps her, taps that note. She said, read it. And I opened up this little folded-up note that had weathered through the years, and and it said, "Miss Candler, thank you for believing in me. Thank you for never giving up on me. I love you, Jason. And we had a weeping session <laughs> and she said, that note kept me going. You, you have no idea how significant you can be in the lives of students and others. But one day, when you least expect it, that significance is going to come back to you and remind you of what it's like to be grateful to those who have poured into you. That is so powerful,
1: Jason. (laughs) My gosh. Um, thank you so much. This has been an incredible talk today and I I can't thank you enough for joining me. Uh, Uh, there's so much to learn from you and, uh, and I wish you the best in all you do and keep making a difference in people's lives. And, uh, you know, this is, I'll never forget the story you've told, especially this last one. I, um, you know, thank you so much. And I wish you the best in all you do. Thank you. Hey, Jason. Okay, so you've, you've talked, to, you've mentioned it a little bit. We've um, got the, the big Big event coming up in October, October 8th, Live to Lead. And I was wondering if uh, you might want to share a little bit about what's going on uh, on October 8th. I've got my ticket. I'm ready to be there.
0: Well, I'm glad you're coming because um, we've got somebody coming uh, that's going to speak on your podcast. Who's one of our speakers. He's a Forbes uh, top 20 don't miss speaker. And uh, his name is Jeff Henderson. But before I get to Jeff, let me just tell you, besides the number one leadership expert in the world, bestselling author, my mentor, your mentor, your friend, my friend, John Maxwell, obviously. John's got two powerful messages, timely messages for you that you don't want to miss coming out of this unique season of life that we've been in. Uh, he's invited some of his closest friends to be a part that have done incredible things, impacted a lot of people. Jamie Kern Lima, If you've heard of It Cosmetics, which I didn't, but my wife did, she's a a, a resilient entrepreneur. She ended up creating that cosmetic line in her living room and just recently sold it to L'Oreal for over a billion dollars with a B. Uh, Valerie Burton is another one. Valerie is an executive coach. She's a best-selling author. She's been all over TV uh, from Good Morning America to... Uh, to Dr. Oz. I mean, she's been all over sharing a message of hope and inspiring people to become their best. And you're not going to want to miss her. Uh, we've got Ed Milet. If you uh, have not heard of Ed, Ed has got one of the most popular podcasts in the world. Uh, he's got over two two 2.5 million followers on social media. He's an unbelievable um, uh, business owner, but at one time he was the top 50, under 50, uh, most wealthiest uh people in america and he's gonna basically help help us be able to bounce back out of this pandemic and go from pivot to progress in our lives and we got joel manby he's a former ceo for sea saturn for sob for hershen family um theme park dollywood uh, six flags you know he's he's done it and he's got an unbelievable message from his book called Love Works, leading at a at a very high level with with principled leadership based out of love and putting people before profits. We've got Tim Elmore, who's a founder, CEO, Growing Leaders, mentored by John, a top consultant in the world of business. But one of the things I love about Tim Elmore is he is one of the most distinguished experts on being able to change the style of leadership to match the generation method can change. Uh, The substance of leadership should never change. And so we've got some great, great leaders, but several of them are going to speak and add value to the uh, education space. So I'm excited about it, but don't miss Jeff Henderson. He follows, uh, I think me and this podcast next week. He's got a message for the ages right now that is being sought after all over the world. And Jeff's going to bring a message that you're not going to want to miss. He's already been sharing it with educators in multiple states. He just got back from Utah. You're not going to want to miss Jeff Henderson.
1: Very cool. So looking forward to it. And I can't wait to, I can't wait to go to October 8th. And I can't wait to talk to Jeff next week. So, you know, Jason, thank you so much. Yes, sir. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is excited to be a member of Voice Ed Radio. Voice Ed Radio, your voice is right here.